Welcome to Black Art is Lit. I'm your host, Nikira Cheney, and on this episode, we're diving into Femme Like Her by Fiona Zetting. Naila Grant only dates studs, races her Camaro for therapy, and believes in leaving her exes in the past where they belong. But with the layoff looming and her retired parents about to take a life-changing step Naila isn't ready for, her world becomes far from stable. Enter Scotty, the only film she's ever allowed close enough to touch her heart. They say trouble comes in threes, and this film is one with a capital T. Scotty is an ex though, and somebody Naila never should have been with in the first place. Yet, when the foundations of her life collapse, Scotty is the one Naila finds herself clinging to. Just as things settle into a semblance of something Naila could only dream about, a shattering secret from Scotty's past threatens to destroy everything the two women have built together. Will Naila stay the course with Scotty or allow her fears to ruin her chance at a real and passionate love? A few months before. I don't do films. That's what I tell myself the whole time she's giving me the eye across the crowded restaurant. Tall and pretty in that average Atlanta way, meaning she'd be a dime in any other city. She's working her tongue on the edge of a half-full martini glass. The pink liquid in the glass sloshes dangerously, but she doesn't look away from me. From the prop of her hip against the chair she's leaning on, it's obvious she knows she looks good in that tight-ass skirt, blue and high-waisted, clinging to her decent curves in a way that tells the open secret of her G-string underwear. I can't do thong panties. The idea of something rubbing in my sweaty crack all day makes me shudder, and not in a good way. Though the fleeting thought of her panties, the thin string snuggled between the firm mounds of ass cheeks, inexplicably makes my mouth dry. I look away from the film and take a quick gulp of my own drink. The drink is cold and strong, just about the only good thing about the evening so far. Coming to the restaurant was a bad idea. But my friend Pauline called me on the way from work saying she was hungry, had a Groupon, and would love to take me out, meaning she wanted me to drive us someplace so that she could get drunk. So I picked her up from her place and we made our way out into Atlanta nightlife on a Friday night, not thinking of where the place would be, Edgewood, the latest it neighborhood and what it would mean. What it means is that the restaurant that's normally a good place to unwind over a drink and good conversation is loud from the DJ playing the latest trap music or top 40. Sometimes it all sounds the same. While couples and groups of friends lean on square high tables trying to seem fuckable to anybody who wants to look. Pauline takes in the whole restaurant, her eyes squinting in annoyance. Her solid body overflows the spindly chair, while her Friday evening outfit of cargo shorts and Hawaiian shirt don't do much to blend with her with the high heels and old beard crowd. This was a mistake. She snaps a look at the DJ as if she could magically get to destroy both him and the music with the power of her eyes alone. Yeah? I look up from steering my Moscow mule with the limp straw. My eyes instantly colliding with the broad browns of the brassy femme in the middle of the restaurant. The friend she's with, equally femme, which could also mean straight as hell, is bouncing her ass to the music and shouting something in the film's ear while looking toward the bar. There, a guy in dick-hugging sweatpants is scoping out the restaurant. He's standing near other board looking 20-somethings draped over the bar and shouting in vain to be heard above the too loud music. His gaze doesn't linger on the film's friend, but that doesn't stop the chip from stripping him naked with her eyes. The film looks at the guy, shouts something back to her friend, then goes back to looking at me. 
I look away quickly, but not before she catches me checking her out. A smile curves up the corner of her very red mouth. You want to leave? Pauline's shout vibrates my eardrums. I shake my head. This is the second place we've been to in the name of trying to use one of her thousand and one Groupons. She's addicted to those things. The first restaurant told us and our Groupon to F off, and that was after we paid for parking. I had skipped lunch at work, so now I'm just hungry enough to deal with restaurant number two, stupidity, loud music, and the film trying to visually crawl into my non-existent cleavage. Okay, Pauline says, then let's order. When the waitress comes back around, we order, and the cute little thing in black leather shorts flirts with Pauline like her job depending on it. Once we order, Pauline and I sit back to watch the crowd since talking is out of the question. I'm not really in the mood for conversation, so this is good enough for me. The healthcare company I work for was just barred by a larger and more aggressive competitor. After months of waiting, the news everybody in the office had been waiting for finally came down. They're slashing half of our department and getting rid of the analysts, me included. I'm not in the mood to look for another job, but I sure as hell am not ready to live in a cardboard box since the new place I just bought comes with a mortgage that matches well-paying gig. F my life. I suck down the last of my cocktail and signal the waitress for another. Slow down. You don't have to drink meat under the table. Pauline flicks her fingers at my empty cup, although she's already two shots of honey whiskey into the evening. We have my car in the expensive parking lot around the block, but the meter is for 24 hours, so I have no problem calling an Uber to get us if we both ended up too sloppy drunk to drive. Don't worry about me, I tell Pauline, just as a shadow falls over our table. I think it's the waitress with my fresh drink and look up with a thanks on the tip of my tongue, but it's the tight skirt film. I dart a glance at the table where she was sitting before, but it's empty now and her friend is at the bar, still shaking her butt to the questionable music, but this time she's draped across sweatpants and he looks just as interested in her as she is in him. I'm leaving, the film shouts down to me from her hot sky-high heels, skipping the introductions. But I want to get your number before I go. I want to take you out. I blink at her like she's speaking Crozian, a language I don't know a word of, by the way. Pauline is grinning like a fool. Before I can do or say anything, my ex-friend grabs a pen out of my purse and scribbles my number and name on a napkin and hands it to the film. I glower at her. She knows I don't mess with films. The film takes the napkin with a nod of thanks to Pauline, but looks at me, eyebrow raised as if making sure I'm okay with this breach of friendship protocol. I nod and she gives me a smile full of red lips and white teeth. Then she slides a business card under my empty cup. So you'll know who's calling you, is what I think she says, but the music is so loud she could have been reciting her ABCs for all I know. I nod again, then she's gone. Pauline looks pleased with herself as she watches the film go. Nice, she says, and I can easily read the word on her lips because that's her favorite word in the English language next to F. I roll my eyes and go back to searching the restaurant for our waitress. I'm getting hungry and thirsty by the minute. Once the food comes, I can start thinking of excuses to get out of the date with the film if she calls. She doesn't call me that night. In my bed after a shower and with my head still spinning from the three drinks and teeth rattling music, I spare the film's friendless approach far too much thought before falling into the quick sleep of the thoroughly drunk. The next day comes with the expected hangover, and after ODing on aspirin and coffee, I leave my house for brunch with some sad soon-to-be ex-co-workers. 
I pretty much forgot about the bad night at Groupon until I get a call from an unfamiliar number on the way home from the restaurant. Do you remember me? Again, she skips the usual greeting, and it's because of this more than the sound of her voice that I remember who she is. But this doesn't mean I know how to respond. What? Oh, you don't remember? That's too bad. Her voice comes out low and amused, not at all insulted. Are you free tonight? I like the chance to stimulate your memory. Stop at a traffic light. I stare down at the phone with my mouth open. Is this chick for real? How do you even know I'm gay? I ask, knowing what she was going to say before she says it. That big stud you was with gave me a clue, she says, confirming my assumption. Mostly when she gave up your number so quickly. Her low laugh rolls over me through the phone. So are you free? Or will I have to duel with you and your stud for a few hours for your company? I... I'm Scotty, by the way, just in case you hadn't looked at the card I gave you. I'm still speechless and feel a little overwhelmed. Not even the most aggressive stud I dated in the past was ever this determined. But the butterflies winging through my stomach tell me I'm not completely uninterested. Strange. A car horn bleats behind me, startling me, startling me away from my contemplation of this odd piece of business. As a formality, I stick my middle finger out the car window before putting my foot on the gas to slide through the green light. So, does tonight work for you, Scotty asks. Tonight? No, not really. My only plans are to sit in front of the TV in my sweats and have a pending unemployment pity party for one. But that's not anything to share with a stranger. That's too bad, Scotty says. And she doesn't do a thing to hide her disappointment, although it sounds like she's laughing at me too. I'd love to have a weekend to spoil you. Since I'm assuming you work, and I do too, how about next Saturday? I drop by your place to pick you up. No. My denial is automatic. First of all, I'm not about to invite a stranger over to my place. And two, just no. Why not? I'm not a mass murderer or anything. You could be a single murderer for all I know. The words spring to my lips, probably confirming for her that I had no real reason to say no to the date. I'll send you my LinkedIn profile once we get off the phone and my Pinterest so you can see my hobbies in case you want to buy me a present later. She obviously manages to amuse herself. Let's say eight next Saturday night. Text me your address sometime this week. I'll make a reservation someplace convenient for both of us. Are you for real? Absolutely gorgeous. Although I should be the one to ask that. When I saw you at that stupid restaurant looking so damn good and probably by our lesbian too, my click did a little happy dance. I almost bite my tongue in half. She's talking about clicks already? Listen, I know too much too soon, right? It's okay. I know I can be a bit extra for some, but I'm hoping I'm just right for you. A low murmur comes through the phone. Words I can't make out, but are urgent sounding. Listen, I have to run, honey, but I'll call you later. Wait. And something happens low in my stomach when I don't immediately hear dead air. A sign Scotty's a listener, not just a talker, and is interested in what I have to say. Do you even know my name? Nyla. The way she says my name jerks my foot on the gas pedal, and it's a miracle I don't rear in the car in front of me. I swallow. Okay, I, I'll talk with you later then. That's the promise she hangs up. Well, that was the opening for a film like her by Fiona Zetti. I hope you've enjoyed it and check it out.